deeply saddened by the facts we now face. But I do not regret my decision to end America's war fighting in Afghanistan and maintain a laser focus on our counterterrorism missions there and other parts of the world. That's the voice of President Joe Biden addressing the nation yesterday as thousands of Afghans scrambled to evacuate the country at the Kabul airport. The Taliban now controls Afghanistan and its capital city again for the first time since the United States invaded the country almost 20 years ago. Public opinion polling suggests most Americans are more than ready for the United States to be done with its troop presence in Afghanistan after two decades that have yielded really little in the way of stability or peace. But the scenes from Kabul airport this week have been nothing short of terrifying. Chaos surrounding planes as people try desperately to board. Men chasing down military jets as they take off from runways, followed by what appeared to be bodies literally falling from the sky. So many Americans wanted this to end, but did it have to end this way? And I think you are not mistaken to draw parallels between the exit from Afghanistan today and the ends of previous failing efforts by the United States in foreign countries uh, in the past. That's the question that we're going to be digging into the rest of the hour today. Did we have to do this in the first place? And did it all have to come crashing down this way at the end? We've got two great guests with us to help try make, to make sense of what we're seeing. But we really want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. What do you think of the way we've handled Afghanistan? Not just the awful withdrawal this week, but the 20 years of war and essentially occupation. What are you feeling as you watch and listen to these scenes of chaos unfolding at the Kabul airport as people desperately try to escape the very Taliban that we entered the country to topple? And what do you make of the blame game being played here in the United States? I hear a lot of people talking about Joe Biden being part of the failure. Well, you know, he's been president for about eight months right now. Donald Trump was president for four years. Barack Obama was president for eight years. And George W. Bush, in his eight years in office, started all of this. So it seems odd to pick the guy who's sitting in the office right now and unload all of the blame on his shoulders, but certainly... I think there are questions the Biden administration has to ask about the way this has unfolded, about the decision-making that led to this. So give us a call. Let us know what you think, what you think we ought to be doing, uh, if you think we ought to be leaving Afghanistan, if you think we ought to be maybe uh, recommitting to keep uh, some stability in place there. Uh, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones, as always. It's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we'll try to work you into the conversation. So the two folks we've got uh, to talk about this are really great and knowledgeable experts uh, on not just Afghanistan, uh, but the politics of 
the Near East and the Middle East. Uh, Saeed Khan is a senior lecturer of Near East and Asian Studies at Wayne State University. He joins us pretty frequently to talk about these subjects. Saeed, welcome back to Detroit today. Thanks so much, Stephen. And uh, Javed Ali is an associate professor of practice and national security expert at the University of Michigan's Gerald R. Ford School of Public Policy. He wrote an op-ed in the Detroit News today titled, What's Next for Afghanistan? Uh, Professor Ali, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks so much for having me, Stephen. Yeah. So I want to start here with the question I posed in the introduction. Did it have to end this way? Could a troop withdrawal from this two-decades-long conflict have been more orderly? Could it have led to a more stable government uh, by the Afghans uh, managing that country? Did it have to look the way it looks on our television screens uh, right now? Professor Ali, I'm going to start with you. Thanks, uh, Stephen, for those questions, all very profound. And um, I would say, uh, just to kind of get the ball rolling on the conversation, the answer to those, at least in my opinion, is no. We could have handled all of those issues in a very different way, even if the ultimate goal was to get to a complete troop withdrawal at some point in the near future. And that has been something, you know, every president has has thought about since um, since 9-11. But the way things have been managed uh, on the execution side, I would say, that is, I think, where a lot of criticism is being laid at the feet of, of President Biden and the administrations, whether rightly or wrongly. But it's it's hard to believe that the way things have, have, have developed, that this is the scenario that the administration thought either was most likely or that they were comfortable in, in sort of seeing unfold in, in real time. And so that, I think, is why there is that really sort of heated focus on the Biden administration right now. Mm. So, Saeed, before I have you address the same issue, I want to play a bit more of what President Biden had to say yesterday uh, during his address to the nation. He, he says the buck stops with him, and then he's not going to shrink from his share of responsibility for where we are today. Let's listen to what he said. I will not mislead the American people by claiming that just a little more time in Afghanistan will make all the difference. Nor will I shrink from my share of responsibility for where we are today and how we must move forward from here. I am president of the United States of America, and the buck stops with me. The buck stops with me. Uh, Saeed Khan, you and I have talked a lot about U.S. involvement, not just in Afghanistan, but in this region and the way we have historically, at least, really misunderstood uh, the cultural dynamics there, uh, the geopolitical dynamics, and that much of our involvement has has led to things being worse for the people uh, who live there. Is, is this yet another chapter in that book and is... Uh, is President Biden writing that final chapter? Well, I don't know if it's the final chapter. Uh, it seems as though there's always chapters that are uh, <laughs> that will make added, mistakes again. <laughs> that are added on, exactly, uh, like a bad soap opera, I'm afraid. But uh, uh, there was something else that was quite incisive in uh, the president's remarks yesterday when he said that uh, our mission was about counter extremism, uh, combating counter extremism, not nation building. Unfortunately, the recent history of the United States uh, in the region is one of 
uh, not only nation building, but nation shaping and molding it in a way that, as you rightly said, uh, doesn't really understand the subtleties, the nuances on the ground, and are too ideologically driven. I mean, here we find, of course, the Taliban who were welcomed by uh, the Reagan administration. Uh, actually, I should say the uh, the Bush uh, 43 administration. The Taliban, of course, were not around during Reagan. And I think that's another mistake that a lot of people make is equating uh, the Taliban with the Afghan freedom fighters during the Soviet war. Uh, American involvement, uh, to be accurate, is not just the last 20, 20 uh, years in uh, Afghanistan. It actually goes back to 1979 in our efforts to fight a proxy war against the Soviet invasion there. But the idea then that the Taliban fell out of favor during 2001 and then have fallen back into favor with uh, last year's uh, resumption of negotiations with them in Doha, Qatar, uh, shows you then how jumbled uh, American foreign policy is between the reality on the ground and the rhetoric that the U.S. Uh, still tries to project. I mean, I think it's quite telling that Secretary of State Blinken on uh, one of the news shows uh, over the past few days, when asked if the U.S. had asked the Taliban for uh, safe passages for its diplomats and citizens out of Afghanistan, Blinken couldn't help himself. He says, no, uh, we don't ask, we tell. Uh, well, you, you can only do that if you have leverage. And I think the last few days have clearly shown that the U.S. doesn't have the leverage that it uh, projects itself to have. Hmm. Um, I, I want to talk a little about uh, the what I think is a pretty critical question, which is the difference, I guess, between what's happening now and the judgment that's being passed on what's happening now and the decision to go to Afghanistan in the first place, uh, which, of course, was inspired by uh, the 9-11 attacks here here, uh, in the United States. I I think they are two separate questions. I think the the judgment over time of what we did in Afghanistan is a little different than – the judgment that people are rendering now on on the the process of of withdrawal and and I want to get to that bigger question and start I guess here should we ever have gone to Afghanistan the way we did and over the past twenty years uh, have we have we managed this in a way that um, uh, that has that has essentially made what's happening now. Um, you know, inevitable. Uh, is this the culmination, I guess, of a series of mistakes, starting with that initial decision to go to war uh, in Afghanistan? Uh, Javed, I'll start with you again. Yeah, thanks for that, Stephen. And um, even to kind of wind back the clock a little bit further, um, the U.S., at least from a national security perspective, um, involvement in Afghanistan goes back to the early 80s, when um, we were providing material and support to the the, the resistance, you know, fighters uh, against the Soviet Union back then. But the goal was very narrow, it was very limited, and there was certainly nothing more expansive in terms of nation building or training and and, and building something new out of that. But then fast forward post 9-11, I uh, would have argued that that initial goal of of narrow counterterrorism, certainly on al-Qaeda and perhaps even expanded out further to the groups that supported al-Qaeda was, was the right path to, to take, and my government career actually started in 2002. So I was in the middle of that sort of process 
from seeing you know what was happening um, from from the different government roles that I had. But I think one of the big mistakes we made as a country is shifting that focus from narrow counterterrorism, trying to uh, disrupt and degrade, and if not destroy as much of Al Qaeda as we could, uh, and other jihadist groups that were threatening the United States. Um, to then the more expansive one. The, the, so the decision we didn't make in the 1980s, we somehow made in the middle 2000s, and that is where we did not learn anything from history, um, whether from the British Empire, the Soviet Union, all these failed campaigns to either conquer Afghanistan or pacify it, or as Professor uh, Khan said, you know, reshape it into some other country's vision. That has never happened in the history of that country for thousands of years. So why we thought then that we could do it uh, and then not put the resources one would need to do that, that is, I think, where everything went off the rails. And here we are uh, 15 years later from that decision, still trying to pick up the pieces. And and that, to me, is one of the big mistakes that that we've made from a foreign policy perspective. Hmm. Uh, Saeed, uh, what do you think of that question about that we faced in uh, the early 2000s about whether to get involved again uh, in Afghanistan. Uh, look, uh, first of all, uh, please call me uh, Saeed uh, Chavit. You and I have met a couple of times in Washington. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I fully agree. I think that, uh, look, as a historian, we're always, I suppose, uh, uh, burdened and blessed with the idea of uh, that kind of hindsight and looking back and remembering at times waving emphatically, telling the government, imploring them, don't make these mistakes. Uh, In the last 20 years, as we do come on the threshold of of, of 9-11, I think it is quite clear that what perhaps started as an inevitability and a necessity to go into Afghanistan, to go ahead and contain uh, the extremism that was emanating from there, from al-Qaeda, not from Taliban. Taliban was not a transnational force at all. Uh, to then somehow the other conflate it into uh, these rather erroneous statements of saying, well, you know, Al-Qaeda is with Iran. Uh, We have a fairly Orientalist uh, way of looking at that part of the world. And I think, unfortunately, while we expect, and I think we should expect, uh, experts within the government to understand the nuances and the subtleties, Uh, Clearly, when it finally gets to the people who make the policy decisions, uh, it certainly appears as though they have other agendas in mind. And moving across to then Iraq, which by now most scholars will uh, acknowledge seem to be the real proverbial eye on the prize for the then Bush administration, it meant yet another neglect of Afghanistan. And as we've seen recently, uh, putting perhaps a little bit too much faith in the kind of puppet regimes that we then uh, established uh, in Kabul. Hmm. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with uh, Javed Ali and Saeed Khan about the American withdrawal from Afghanistan and the 20 years that we have been there waging war. Uh, We're going to get to your calls next. Mike in Chesterfield, Sam in Mount Clemens, Ed in Detroit. We'll hear from you. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and uh, we'll work into the conversation that way. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today.
WDET is your connection to what's happening in Detroit. WDET is your place for open dialogue about the issues that impact you. Stay in the know. This is WDET FM, Detroit's NPR station. Today on 101.9 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you have tuned in. We're talking about the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, which we're all witnessing on our iPhones and Androids and television screens right now. And I don't think there's any other way to describe it uh, as than as an unmitigated disaster, uh, uh, unbelievable chaos and kind of meltdown happening as U.S. troops finally leave that country after about 20 years of uh, war. Uh, We're talking about whether it had to be this way, uh, whether uh, the U.S. involvement in Afghanistan could have unfolded differently uh, and that we might have left with a better amount of stability uh, in in place, uh, especially for the Afghan people. Uh, We want to hear from you, uh, what you think about what's happening in Afghanistan. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the Facebook page here at WDET or the Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can try to work you into the conversation uh, that way. I've also got two really great experts with us. To talk about this, Saeed Khan is a senior lecturer of Near East and Asian Studies right here at Wayne State University. And uh, Javed Ali is an associate professor of practice and national security expert at the University of Michigan's uh, Gerald R. Ford School of Public Policy. He wrote an op-ed in the Detroit News today titled, What's Next for Afghanistan? I want to get some of our callers involved in the conversation here. And I want to start with Mike in Chesterfield. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey there, Stephen. Hey. Hey there. Uh, it's been very uh, saddened over the last few days. Uh, this has been something very close to my heart. Um, I remember uh, watching the bombs drop on Afghanistan in the day before my 10th birthday. Mm. And then uh, in 2014, I was deployed there. And while I was there, I was an engineer, and I worked in the, uh, as a volunteer in the medical center, too. Mm. Uh, I've been to several bases, and I really interacted with a lot of people and got to know the culture very well. So I see this withdrawal, and and mind you, I'm actually uh, one of the people who wanted to leave before I even was there. Hmm. I bet we should have left a long time ago, if not even ever gone there. But because everything happened, and because we are at this point right now, the only thing I can think of is... The withdrawal has been an absolute disaster uh, from a military strategic point of view and from a humanitarian crisis. From the point of view of, I cannot understand why we left Bagram first, when that should have been one of the last places, if not the last place to Mm -hmm. leave. Instead of seeing the images you're seeing at the airport now, we had a fully fortified uh, base that we could easily defend, and had we maintained all of our troops until all necessary personnel and anyone who wanted to leave the country got out, mm. then we could have left. Yeah. And instead, it, instead, right now, we took everyone out, people who were left behind are struggling, and now we're sending even more troops than we had a few months ago back in. 
for to to basically protect what is apparently just a massive embarrassment, not only for our country, but in just the world's eyes altogether. Yeah. This has been an absolute disaster, and there were so many other ways that could have gone. And, and frankly, the whole fact now that a lot of the weaponry that I had uh, used over there and vehicles and that Americans had paid for are now in the hands of a government we don't like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh Mike, I I really appreciate the call. I know you're someone who calls us uh, pretty frequently, and I did not know uh, about your your Afghan service until until just now. So I'm really I'm really glad to learn about that, and of course learn about uh, your perspective on what's what's going on there. Uh, thank you very much for the call. Um, let's go to Mark in East Point. Mark, welcome to the program. Well, hey, Mark. Hello? Yep. Go ahead, Mark. Um, yeah, so... Oh, hi. Thanks. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so we know how the Taliban is. Why is everyone surprised? Like, there's no way we can trust them. And then uh, I just don't think there's a focus that, like, the guy who was supposedly taken over Afghanistan, like the leader, um, didn't we release him in 2018, who was president during that time? And also, like, weren't we also supposed to leave like seven years ago, roughly, but it got postponed. Mm-hmm. And all these people had all this time. They knew we were leaving. Correct me if I'm wrong, if that's not true, but they knew we were leaving. So it's like everything gets blamed on Biden. And it's just wrong. Like he's actually going to get us out of there. We all know the war is wrong. It sucks for the people. Like I feel horrible, especially the women and children. That's terrible. Mm. But we're going to leave at some point, and you can't trust it. Yeah. Mark, I, I, your phone's breaking up just a little, but I, I absolutely get the point that you're making. I appreciate the call. Um, Javed and Saeed, both callers suggest that maybe things could have been different if we'd left earlier, if we'd left in maybe the middle 2010s, for instance, uh, before Mike got deployed there, that maybe there there could have been more stability. And I, I don't know... I don't know enough about uh, the, the situation there to, to render judgment on that, but I'd, but I'd love to hear what you think. Saeed, I'll start with you this time. Uh, quite possibly, but that would be predicated on the idea that the uh, government in Kabul would have been stable enough uh, to then uh, create a cohesive uh, sense of national identity within Afghanistan. And I think that the problem has always then been that the United States was quite insistent on the Taliban not being part of uh, the government in any way, shape, or form, despite the obvious and widespread influence that they had. Similarly, we ran into that mistake in Iraq when we were insistent that no member of the Ba'ath Party be involved in any future government, uh, which, of course, then spawned ISIS. Uh, So here we find then that without uh, bringing the Taliban to the table earlier, understanding that they were not only going to have a seat at the table, but that they were going to be dictating perhaps what was going to be on the menu, that needed to occur. And as a result, what we find now, and I do uh, uh, respectfully disagree with the idea that they cannot be trusted, clearly Beijing seems to uh, suggest that they have no problem trusting the Taliban. They have been involved in high-level negotiations, including, as was mentioned before, uh, Mr. Baradar, who's coming back to Kabul to now run uh, the regime, 
Uh, he was meeting with the Chinese uh, foreign minister as uh, recently as a month ago. Uh, so the Chinese had figured out that uh, the Kabul regime of Ashraf Ghani was not reliable, not credible, not legitimate, and therefore they simply elided it and uh, were dealing directly with what they saw as being the eventual future of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. uh, Professor Ali, I wonder what you make of this idea that we might have uh, you know, cut this short, shorter, and c accomplished a different outcome. I, 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 I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, I um, agree with um, what some of uh, Saeed said, and I absolutely take the points the callers have made. Again, I'll go back to my own sort of bias and my own sort of career in government that was very focused on counterterrorism. Even when we made that decision as a country in the mid-2000s to shift to, to this broader mission that I described, um, and then having seen the results of that, as, as I uh, talked about um, for several years, at that point we probably should have shifted back to the more narrow approach. Um, but incredibly, one of the things that President Obama did, and I'm not saying this as a partisan person, I don't have a political bone in my body, but um, he campaigned, if, you, if people recall, on getting out of Afghanistan too. And yet, because of the conditions on the ground and perhaps you know, kind of policy priorities, um, there was a troop surge uh, in his uh, first uh, year, almost 100,000 troops. That's the, the, the most troops we'd had on the ground in Afghanistan for almost a year, year plus under President Obama. And then we started to thin out. So I still think if we had kept that focus on narrow counterterrorism, even after a few years um, under the Bush era, things may have played out differently. And yes, would the country have looked different? Absolutely. But I think our vital national security interests in Afghanistan are more based on the terrorist threats that are emanating from there and not sort of the broader stability issues. That may seem a little cold-hearted, but um, that, I think, is where people like me in that counterterrorism space would have argued that's where we needed to go, but we weren't policymakers. We were, you know, on the different side of the spectrum, and all we could do was deliver the best support and and policy recommendations and advice, but at the end of the day, there's only one commander-in-chief. So, um, you know, again, I'm showing my own bias here, but I think we had we made some different decisions 10, 15 years ago, things would have played out much differently on the ground. Yeah. And just to add to Javid's point, I remember uh, when the surge happened under President Obama, uh, the late uh, Congressman Conyers, in fact, uh, ran into him at an event, and he asked me if I would write a memo to implore President Obama to not uh, engage in the surge. Right. Uh, that, that didn't go well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Javid Lee and uh, Saeed Khan, uh, it was great to have both of you here for this conversation. I'm so glad you joined us. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow when we continue our summer reading and discussion of the U.S. Constitution with a look at the Second Amendment.